Well, happy Memorial Day weekend, everybody. You know, both our soldiers and our Savior share this in common. They sacrificed everything so we could be free. We honor that today. So glad you're here today. My name is Paul. I'm one of the pastors. And, and this morning, we are continuing in our series called Finding Financial Peace. And we have an outline for today's message. It's a light green sheet found in your program. Let me encourage you to take this out and use it to follow along. And can I tell you, I'm, the reason I'm so glad you came today is we are talking about a subject today that matters like tremendously to your life. It matters today, it matters to your future. It's so important to who you are, where you're at, where you're going, it matters to you. But I also wanna tell you, we're talking about something that really matters to Jesus. In fact, this topic that we're talking about today, it mattered so much to Jesus that he talked more about this topic than he talked about heaven and hell combined. And this also matters to the church. And it matters to the world and the impact that you can have in the world. So today I want to let you know, we are talking about this very important topic called your money. Your money. Are you ready to talk about it? Do you know the Bible is never bashful about talking about money? Do you know that the, the, the Bible understands that if you do not get a godly grip on your finances, it will get a grip on you, and it can actually wreck your life and shipwreck your soul. Did you know that? In fact, I'm going to show you several different verses from the Bible that talk about money, but right off the top, I want you to see, see how important this is by looking at 1 Timothy 6.10 that says this, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, and some people craving money have wandered from the true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. It says this, for the love of money is the root of what? All kinds of evil. I mean, think about it, friends. Almost all the evil in the world, the drug trade, human trafficking, pornography, prostitution, organized crime, theft, war, violence, corruption, almost all of it can somewhere along the way be traced back to the love of money and the love of money over God. And some people craving money, man, they've lost their faith. And they've kind of led their lives into what the Bible calls many sorrows, like a distraction, a life, a loss of ultimate purpose. And can I tell you, as your pastor in leading this church for close to 22 years, I've seen countless people sacrifice their marriage, their morality, their purpose, their very souls for a few dollars more. And that's why, friends, we have to talk about this very important topic called money. And today, I want to do my very best to inspire you to live your life under God's economy, to inspire you to position your life and your money under God's economy. And to do that, to like almost to, to make a vow, to, to make a commitment out of your love for God to say, God, because I love you, I'm going to do my money your way. And to help us do that, what I'm going to do is I'm going to, we're going to look to Jesus, our Lord and Savior, and we're going to look at a chapter in the Bible where Jesus taught us about God's economy. It comes from Luke chapter 12, there on your outline, God's economy according 
to Jesus, and this is what Jesus said. He said, beware, be on guard against every kind of greed. Life is not measured by how much you own. You know, one of the first things that Jesus teaches us about God's economy is he, he's saying, you have to be careful. Watch out, beware, and beware of greed, of greed. Because here's the danger, friends. Do you know what greed is? Greed, greed, like it, it makes you think that your happiness and your success, that your fulfillment in life, greed makes you think that your security comes from your stuff rather than your savior. Kind of reminds me, and, and we all fall temptation to this, kind of reminds me of the story of this 45-year-old guy, and he's kind of going through a midlife crisis. And he's frustrated with his life, and he's going, man, I'm tired. I'll, I'll never own my own house. I'm tired of driving my own car. I'm tired of having an old wife. I'm tired of the way my life's going. He's just frustrated. And he kicks the ground. He doesn't realize he hits a piece of metal, and this little lamp pops out. Oh, what's that? Picks it up, he rubs it, and a genie pops out of the lamp. And the genie says, I'm the genie of the lamp, and I'm here to grant you three wishes. Well, this 45-year-old guy in a midlife crisis, he knows exactly what he wants. He says, hey, for my first wish, I want $100 million. And poof, all of a sudden, a pile of cash, $100 million. He said, man, I got the money, now I need the car. He said, for my second wish, I want a brand-new red Ferrari. And poof, all of a sudden, he's a brand new red Ferrari. The genie hands him the key. The guy said, man, I got the money. I got the cash. He said, for my third wish, I want my wife to be, to, to be beautiful and half my age. And poof, all of a sudden, he's 90. He's, yeah. so, so, God. So, so here's the deal. Like, now he's 90 years old, and here's the deal. He has all this stuff, but he lost most of his life getting it. And that's why we need to talk about greed, to be on guard against greed, because greed, would you write this down, a great definition. Greed is when you come, become possessed by your possessions. Greed is when you're possessed by possessions, thinking that the reason that you live and work and make money is so that you can buy more and more stuff to spend on you. And to really drive this lesson home, here's what Jesus does. He just tells a story. He just tells a story that I'd like to tell to you now. And it goes like this. Comes from, on your outline, Luke chapter 12, verses 16 through 20. He says this. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. What shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. And then he said, this is what I, I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I'll store up my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself... You have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take, take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. And isn't that a good story? In fact, you kind of expect Jesus to say at this point, and he lived happily ever after. Because that's the American dream, right? That's why we work so hard and make money so we can get more and more stuff so that we can finally kick back and take it easy and eat, drink, and be Mary. But, but, but Jesus does something in his story, very surprising. He kind of takes this story and he turns it upside down. And here's the punchline of the story. Because there's this God moment in the story. And Jesus says these words, but God said to him, 
you fool. Like you worked hard to amass and collect and get more and more stuff, thinking this way and believing this way, and dude, you blew it. You fool. This very night, your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? And the implication is someone else. Someone else. See, the result of this man, his whole life of amassing and accumulating and working and getting money and stuff, it ended in a total loss, a complete loss. And let me tell you, this man was a fool, not because he was rich, but because he didn't know why he was rich. He didn't know why he had extra and more than he needed, and he was blessed to abundance. Who will get what you have prepared for yourself? Someone else. You know, one time, John D. Rockefeller, one of the richest men who ever lived, when he died, a reporter asked, well, how much did he leave behind? And his lawyer, without skipping a beat, said this, all of it. All of it. And, there's, and, and I want you to hear it, friends, because the implication is this is how it will be. Like a total loss, not just for this rich man, but for anyone. You, me, anyone who's possessed by their possessions and assumes that it's all about their consumption, it will eventually end in a total, complete loss. And it's here in the story that Jesus introduces this whole new concept of living your life under God's economy. You see, because for most people listening to the story, their whole life goal, their whole life dream was to be like the rich guy in the story. And Jesus said he was a fool. And he said, hey, don't be foolish with your life. Don't miss the whole purpose of your life. Life is not measured by how much you own, how much you make. You don't want to be foolish. You want to turn it upside down and position your life under God's economy. And then he explains to us what it really means to be rich. Look in your outline in Luke 12, 21. He said, this is how it will be for whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not what? Rich toward God. All right, here's the question. Here's the God moment. What about you? You're saying, well, what does this have to do with me, Pastor Paul? Huh? <laughs> you know, that guy in the story, I mean, he's a rich guy. I'm not a rich guy, so this doesn't apply. You know, <laughs> friends, can I tell you, look at me. Like, you may walk in here today, you may feel like, man, I'm struggling to, to pay my rent, my bills, pay my car payment, I'll make a lot of money. Friends, you are rich beyond measure. You live in the, in the most expensive place to live, like in the whole world. You're in the like top 5% of the world's economy. You have extra food in your fridge, extra clothes in your closet, extra gadgets to work with. Some of you have more than one vehicle. If you get sick, you don't hesitate. You have insurance, you have doctors, you have friends. We are rich beyond measure, but do you know why? You are rich, and here's the question. Are, are you rich toward God? Do you even know what that means to be rich toward God? Well, Jesus explains it. In the bottom of your outline, he goes on in the, the whole rest of the chapter in Luke, he explains what it means to live under God's economy and to be rich toward God. Let's, let's just walk through it together. Look at the passage. It says this. 
and don't be concerned about what to eat and what to drink. Don't worry about such things. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers all over the world. Like those who don't know or believe in their heavenly father, our good father who promises to meet our needs and take care of us and watch over us. Like as Christians, we know we have a good father in heaven. He said, unbelievers, they're all caught up in like, man, I got to make money. I got to make more. I got to be secure. I got to have this. As believers, we live a different way. And this is what it says. Your heavenly father already knows your needs. So here's how to do it. Seek the kingdom of God above all else. And he'll give you everything you need. Sell your possessions and give to those in need. This will store up treasure for you in heaven. And your treasure will be safe. No thief can steal it. No moth can destroy it. And then he, he says something very revealing about you and about me. This is what he says. Very powerful. Wherever your treasure is, there are the desires of your heart will be also very powerful. Do you, do you see it? Do you, did you capture? How do you live under God's economy? How do you live a life that's rich toward God? Well, in, in case you missed it, let me bullet point it for you. They're on the screen behind me. Here's how you do it. Seek the kingdom of God above all else. Give to those in need. And then recognize that your treasure that reveals your true heart. Wherever your treasure is, there your heart is. So, so let's get real practical here. Let's talk about how you can take steps to be rich toward God. Are you ready? Are you ready? Number one, write this down. Here's how, you're, here's how you live out under God's economy and you're rich towards God is you do this. Number one, put God first in your finances. Put him first in your finances. In Matthew 6, 24, Jesus said, no one can serve two masters, for you'll hate one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and what? Money. Money. I mean, think about it, friends. You, it's impossible. You can't do it. You have to make a concrete, committed choice about who will be God in your life. Are you going to trust an almighty God? or in the almighty dollar, because you can't do both. It's impossible. And it's funny to me that Jesus chose that. I mean, he could have said, you cannot serve both God and power. Or you cannot serve both God and popularity. Or you cannot serve both God and sex or yourself. I mean, of all things, why did Jesus say, you cannot serve both God and money? Because he knows us, and he knows us well, and he knows that for most of us, the number one competitor for our love and loyalty and devotion would be our money. And friends, if you're going to be rich towards God and buy into his economy, there comes a time. Could it be today is your day? Could it be today is the day where you decide to make a concrete, committed choice like a groom standing up on his wedding day to give his vows to say, I take you, I, God, I put you first above all others. And by the way, you do understand that's what it means to be a Christian. A Christian is someone who makes Jesus the Lord of their life because Jesus gave everything for them, 
They surrender their heart, their life, their future, their faith, their finance. They're saying, because you gave all for me, all that I am, Lord, I give it back to you. And I put my life in your hands. And I make you my Lord and my King and commit to follow you. And friends, this is very interesting because I want you to think about your life right now. One of my mentors once told me, any area of your life that you want God to bless, give him first place in it. You want God to bless your marriage, give him first place in your marriage and commit to do your married life God's way. You want God to bless your health, give God first place in your health and how you treat your body, how you eat and exercise. Do, do your physical life in a way to say, God, I want to honor you in my body. And he'll bless your health. You want God to bless your career? Give him first place. Say, God, I'm going to make you my boss. I'm going to work with you. I'm going to show honesty and integrity and grit and hard work, but I'm going to do it at a healthy pace so that you get glorified by how I work. You put God first in your work, he'll bless your work life. Now, financially, how many of you would like God to bless your finances? Give him first place. Put him first in your finances and commit to do your money God's way. And you go, well, Pastor Paul, how do I do that? Do you know there's a lot of different ways to do that? We're going to talk about in this series. But you know that God has given one way, a very simple way to keep him first in our finances, and it's called tithing. Tithing, do you know that word? The word literally means tenthing, like 10%, like the first 10% of what I make when I get my paycheck, the first 10% goes back to God. I give it to God as an act of worship to accomplish his purposes in the world and to build his church. Now, if you don't understand tithing, let me, let me tell you, when my son Tim was seven years old, it's so simple that a seven-year-old can understand tithing. I said, son, let me explain tithing to you. It's so cool. Took out 10 pennies. I said, when you tithe, you, get, you give the first, if you have 10 pennies, you give the first penny to God, and you get to keep nine. Tim says, oh, that's really cool. I said, well, let, let's, let's take a little further. And I said, said, I gave him a dollar. I put out 10 dimes. I said, if you have a dollar... You give God the first dime, and you keep nine dimes for yourself. He said, oh, Dad, that's so easy. Anybody can do that. I said, well, let's, let's, let's get away from the coins. Let's put out the dollar bills. <laughs> and I said, son, if you had $10, what did you think? $10, you give God the first dollar, and you keep nine for you. Oh, Dad, why wouldn't we? Everybody should do that. It's so easy. I said, but, and, and son, you, you just keep taking it down. Son, if you have $100, you give God the first 10, you keep 90. He said, oh, that's so cool. I said, now imagine if you had $1,000, you'd have to give God 100. Tim says, $100? What, does God think I'm made of money? You know, and we kind of act like that. Like, friends, you understand? Let me say loud and clear. Tithing. God's not after your money. God's after what it represents. Do you know what tithing really represents? Well, let's take it back to the Bible. What does the Bible tell us on your outline in Deuteronomy? In Deuteronomy 14, 23, it says, the purpose of tithing is to teach you to always, what? 
put God first. Put, let me ask you, are you putting God first? Are you putting God first? Man, I love, I love what you just said. Trying to learn to put God first in every area of my life. My marriage, my health, my work life, my money. To put God first. Now, here's the deal. Uh, enough talk about tithing because in two weeks... I am going to give the best message that you have ever heard on tithing. And friends, don't think, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to skip out on that one. So <laughs> friends, this message, it will change you and bless you and set you on a course that will mark your life for the rest of your life. I hope that you'll miss it. But can I tell you, just a little preview, when you start to tithe and you start to try to say, God, I'm going to do my best to put you first, God sees your heart for him, and he starts honoring that and blessing that and growing that, and then he positions you for the second step to be rich toward God and live in God's economy. And number two on your outline, here's how you click it in. Then you realize that God gives me more than I need to help others in need. Remember that fool was... He wasn't foolish because he's rich. He, didn't, he just didn't know why he was rich. He didn't understand that God gives us more than we need so we can help others in need. This is so key. I, I don't know if you've ever asked this question, but I've asked it so many times. Man, why? Why, God, am I so blessed? Man, to live in this country, to live in the Bay Area, you have given me so much. I mean, I have food in the fridge, clothes on my back, a roof over my head. I have cars and friends and family on top of that. You gave me your own son so I could be forgiven and have eternal life. God, why have you blessed me so much? Have you ever wondered why God has given you so much? Well, let me tell you the answer. It's on the screen behind me. Take a moment to read these words. God prospers me not to raise my standard of living, but to raise my standard of giving, specifically giving to those in need. And I, I want you to see this, so let's come back to the Bible. The Bible tells you why you're blessed, why you're rich, and God's expectation if you're going to live under his economy. This is what it says. Teach those who are rich in this world. Well, who's that? Someone last service said Trump. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> Teach those of us who are rich. Friends, that, that, that's you. That's me. That's us. We're the rich ones. Not to be proud, not to trust in their money. Their trust should be in God. Like they should be putting God first. And it says this. Tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and what? Generous to those in need. Always ready to share with others. By doing this, they'll be storing up treasure as a good foundation so that the future, they may experience true life. Now, now, friends, let me ask you, as you sit here today, are you truly alive? I mean, are you filled with passion and vibrancy and energy for living your life? Could it be that one of the reasons you're struggling so much to feel alive is because money has a chokehold on your life? And it's choking the life right out of you. And could it be that God's saying, why don't you just loosen up and let go and trust me and use 
the money that I've provided for you my way to help those in need. And when you do that, friends, you'll come alive. I mean, think about it, friends. We think if I get more stuff, if I get a, the, the iPhone 27 or a new laptop or a new gaming system or a nicer car, if I go to the mall and get a nicer looking shirt, if I can do it, then I'll be alive and happy. And friends, can I tell you, you will never be more alive than when you realize that, that, catch this, the little pieces of paper that I carry in my wallet, that I get out of an ATM machine or I pile up in my bank, that I could take that money and I could feed the hungry. I could shelter the homeless. I could pay for medicine for the sick. I could build a church building. I could touch and change lives for all eternity with little pieces of paper. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that cool? Instead of getting more and more and more and more and more for me, so that I could have more and more and more life and I could have more peace, so happy, so I... No, no, I get more and more and more and more and more and more so I could do this and this and this and this, this and live life alive and wide open and looking at all the different people you could bless and ch touch and make a difference in the world. And friends, if you don't think this is true, let me give you just two examples. First example, and if you know, my daughter, she took a chunk of her summer to go to Africa, to Uganda, to work in this children's home called Love and Care for All. Now, a lot of her friends are going to Europe, going to Greece, doing all that. She felt like God called her to go live in this hot, sweaty environment, a children's home where there's like four to five kids per bed. They struggle to have food. Like, like they eat rice and beans. And if they're lucky, on a good day, they'll have a little bite of vegetables or fruit. One day a week, one meal a week, they get one bite of chicken with their meal. That's all the meat they can afford. She's gone to this children's home, and, and she's holding this baby. The newest kid in the children's home is a little baby Maria. They found this baby at the dump. The mom was a disabled homeless woman who couldn't care for her child. She, she put the child in the, in the dump, hoping someone would find her. They took him to this child. Now, now my daughter... And she's just in love with this little kid. And she gets to be God's loving arms around this little baby who now has a chance for, for life. And she's taking care of these kids, and she discovers, like when they're feeding them, she discovers from where she's staying, like the little uh, meat place, that $16 could buy enough chicken to feed every kid a full meal in that home, over 100 kids. So she's thinking, 16, I could feed 100 kids meat for 16 And while I'm hearing this story, my wife and I, we just came back from eating lunch at The Habit. Two burgers, fries, 16 bucks. We fed ourselves, she fed 100 kids. <laughs> Guess who felt more alive? Friends, there's an exa another example. Last week in the service, we talked about how God is so outrageously generous, and we asked for a volunteer. We said, hey, we're going to give you $50 to go find someone in need and use it to show God's love. So we have Kieran and Babita. Come on up here. Let's welcome our volunteers back. 
so we want to hear the story of what you did with the money God provided. So, guys, thank you so much for being our volunteers. And what did you do with the $50? Thank you, Pastor. Uh, first of all, I would like to praise God and thank the Crossroad for giving me an opportunity to be a blessed someone. So last Sunday, we got $1.50 from a church to be generous. And as soon as we stepped out from the church, one of our brother, Brother Yusuf, he doubled that money. So instead of 50, we had $100. Thank you, Brother Yusuf. Wow. So we took that $100, me and my wife, we prayed over for God's guidance. And also we took some ideas from our kids who are nine and five year old. So after praying, so finally we made a decision to sponsor a child. Yes, we are sponsoring a child through Compassion uh, Organization. Compassion Organization, and it's $38 per month going forward. The remaining $62, we gave a one-time donation to the same organization which has an urgent need. So the sponsoring should not have, would not have been possible if I would not have received $50 from the church. This has set me on a course to sponsor an unprivileged child going forward. So I want to praise God and thank Crossroad for giving me this opportunity and helping us to be a blessing to an underprivileged child. In closing, I just want to read a verse from a Bible. It is taken from a book of Proverbs 22, verse 9. Sorry. <laughs> got changed to 23 actually. Uh, whoever is generous will be blessed for he shares his food with the poor. Thank you. All right, thank you guys. Babita, thank you so much. So, so, I mean, look at this. So we gave them money that the church had from you, from your offering. We took that money. We entrusted it in their hands. They didn't go out to dinner. They didn't take their kids to Walmart to find toys. They said, how can I take it? And they poured it into the life of a child. And now this child, through Compassion International, and I know this is a fact because Karen and I, we've raised two kids through Compassion. He's going to have food, going to have clothing, going to have medicine, going to get education, and all of that done in the name of Jesus where they'll feel God's love and you are going to change that kid's life forever. And can I tell you, just on a side note, don't miss Father's Day, because Crossroads, as a church, we have, as a church, we have four compassion kids, and on Father's Day, when we take the offering, the first part of that offering is to pay for those four kids for a whole year. And we've been raising these four kids for about eight years already, and it's changed their life forever. Do you see the power of generosity? I have more than I need to help others in need. And, you know, that's what I want to do. I can't answer that for you, but this is what the Bible says about you. Look at the, this verse, 2 second, second Corinthians chapter 9, verses 7 and 8. You must decide. You must choose in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. And God will generously provide all you need. 
and then you'll always have everything you need and plenty left over to what? Share with others. That's God's economy. Put God first. He pours into you, gives you, he'll meet your needs, but then he gives you so you can help others. And then the last thing Jesus told us about God's economy, he said, take a time out, look at your spending habits, and use your spending habits to reveal your true heart. Use your spending habits to reveal your true heart. That's why Jesus said where your treasure is, in Matthew 6, 21, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And when it comes to money, guys, even the world knows this truth, right? I mean, finish this statement for me. It's a worldly statement, but you know it. You know, put your money where? Put your money where your mouth is. Or what about this phrase? Hey, put up or Christians. Put your money where your mouth is. Put up or shut up. Stop saying, oh yeah, I believe in God. I love God. I'm committed. Well, is it showing? See, see, do you understand that your money is like a mirror of what's going on right here? And for some of you, you don't have financial peace right now. You're in financial chaos, financial struggle, but it's really not a money problem. God's saying that money problem is a mirror that you have a heart problem. See, you're not under God's economy. You're, you're not saying, God, you own everything. You, you're the owner. I'm the manager. I need to be a good steward of what you've provided. You're, you're kind of saying, I'm going to run the show, and God, I want you to bless me so I can use my money to build my little kingdom instead of saying, you use me to build your kingdom. Is your heart right? Is your heart right? Now, some of you, let me, let me just say it the right way. At Crossroads, we're never here to kick you when you're down. This place, we want to lift you up and lead you to life. And some of you, you're in a financial struggle right now, and you love God. You're trying to put him first. You're doing your best. And can I tell you, you're right where God wants you to be. You're exactly in the right place, and God is using this season to grow your faith, deepen your trust, make you more like Christ, and when you get on the other side, you're going to see, man, God, it was really hard, but now I see that you are using that season in my life, and you've turned it into a blessing, and I know this. God wants me to tell you, stay the course, keep God first, keep your generous heart open and soft, and, and know that you have a father in heaven who's going to take good care of you, and you have a church family, and you're not alone. And we're here to share life together. So some of you, your heart is right. But some of you, listen to me, the most loving way I know how to tell you, you're in financial crisis right now. Not a money problem, it's a heart. Your heart is not right. And sometimes... Now write this down. Sometimes a financial crisis is a divine correction. And you're going, man, I, I can't figure it out. My, I'm not making enough money. My bills are doing stuff's breaking down. I'm getting laid off. Things are a mess. I'm fighting with my wife all the time. Things are crazy. I don't know what to do. And God's saying, I'm right here. I'm right here. And I'm willing to help you. But you got to start with your heart. And for that to happen, God brings you to this moment 
where he turns everything, I want to say upside down, but he turns everything right side up and he brings you to this moment of surrender. Surrender. Where you say, God, I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired all the time. Tired of the pain, the pressure, the conflict, the stress, trying to make it all on my own. And so God, the best way I know how, I just, not this, I surrender my heart and my life. I'm going to give you my heart first. And you know, when that's right, the money follows. And so I'm going to lead us in a time of prayer right now. Where I'm asking you, buy into God's economy. Put God first. Grow a generous heart to help those in need. And let your heart lead you with how you do your finances under God. It will lead you to financial peace and blessing and make an impact in the world. Don't you want that? Let's pray for it together right now. Let's pray. Father God, the truth is we need you. We need your peace and provision in our lives. Lord, we live in a culture that tells us every day that our security comes from our stuff instead of our Savior. God is just a constant pull to spend all our money on ourselves while all around us is this world in need. God, you've richly blessed us with more than we deserve. You've given us everything, including your son, Jesus Christ. You've blessed us so we could know real love and real life. So help us remember why we're rich. You are calling us to shine your light and share your love. So God, right now, the best way we know how we we say we surrender. We declare that we will treasure you and we will put you first in our hearts and in our finances. We will trust in you to meet our needs and then use us to care for the needs of others so that we might have life the way you designed it, a life that glorifies you and blesses others. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.